lead us. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. The text for our meditation tonight and the next two Wednesdays as well, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago, John 1, 1 to 18 tonight, especially these verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So far, our text. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, these first verses in the Gospel of John have been called many things. A prologue, a preface, a foreword, an introduction. But I want to give you a different word as a way of looking at these first 18 verses in the Gospel of John. Now I'll be the first to admit, I am not much of an opera guy. But if you go to an opera, what's the first thing that you hear? You hear an overture. And in that overture, you do not get a line-by-line summary of the narrative that is about to follow. No. You get a beautifully woven mosaic that introduces certain themes, builds to a crescendo with others, takes you up and down through the music. That's what an overture does. And it does it well. When I was in junior high, the rock opera, Jesus Christ Superstar, was very popular. If you've listened to the overture of Jesus Christ Superstar, you know exactly what I mean. You may not quite get it the first time through, but after you've listened to it all, and then go back to the beginning, when you hear that overture, you're playing all these things in your mind. You're reliving it just through that introductory part. If you're an old Western fan like me, maybe you're familiar with How the West Was Won. An amazing classic with an amazing cast. It's one of the few movies I know that not only is the soundtrack awesome, but it has an overture at the beginning of the movie. And again, after you've seen the movie one time, you are reliving and anticipating the things that are coming just by listening to the overture at the beginning of the movie. My friends, tonight... I would like to propose for you that these 18 verses that begin the Gospel of John are like an overture. They give us the major themes, 
woven together in a mosaic that introduces the narrative to follow. And it does it in a beautiful and magnificent way. So, if you're ready for the opera to begin, we'll hear the overture. In the beginning, well, let's stop right there. What does that remind you of? In the beginning, Barashit Baruch Elohim et Hashamayim. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1 God the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle John, is connecting on purpose the Gospel of John and the book of Genesis. The Gospel of John and God's work of creation. This is no accident. This is no coincidence. God wants us to know that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. That the God of creation is the God of redemption. But there's an even deeper connection. In the beginning was the Word. The eternal Word. The Logos. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. How can the Word be with God and the Word be God? Two gods? No. God here is introducing us to an amazing way to look at the mystery of the Trinity. One God in three persons, three persons in one God. God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, the Word, the Logos, the Eternal Word. The overture continues. In the beginning was the Word, The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then in verse 3. All things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. When we think of God's work of creation, we most always think of God the Father the first person of the Trinity, at work. In fact, we confess it in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. But here, as a part of this mosaic that God is painting and putting together for us, God is teaching us that it was the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Word, the Logos, Through whom God created everything. Not just some things, but everything. Nothing that has been created was created apart from the Word. The second person of the Trinity. And we wonder, how can this be? And then we go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And the earth was without form or void. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. And God said, and God said, God spoke. What do you speak? You speak a word. The mystery of the Trinity is too much for our simple brains to grasp. But the word that God the Father spoke, the word that became flesh and blood and died for our sins and rose from the dead and gives us eternal life, this word is how God created everything. Nothing was made apart from the work of the Word, the eternal Word. Again, this is mind-blowing. This is such a great mystery that our minds cannot comprehend it. Maybe we should let God explain it to us. He has, you know. God, through the Apostle Paul, in Colossians chapter 1, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him. All things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Lest anyone get the idea that Jesus was like the first created thing, or maybe a God, but a lesser God, not equal with the one true God, God's word makes it abundantly clear. There is nothing lacking in this word, in this Jesus Christ. He is fully God. God the Father created all things through Him. But the Word's work does not stop at creation. No. The Word became flesh. The Word bled and died and earned our redemption. But we get ahead of ourselves. We get ahead of ourselves in our overture. These great themes and mosaic beauty are yet to come. First, first we have another word picture that God wants us to know and to grasp and to believe and to confess. One that we have sung in both of our hymns already tonight. Verse 4. In Him, the Word, 
Jesus, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Well, certainly if all things were created through him, he is life. But now we have something more specific. Not just a general creation. This word is the light of men. The light of people. The light of human beings. He is your light. What does God mean by this? In John chapter 8, we'll get the fuller picture of this. Where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's from these passages that we get the name for our Bible study. Life Light Bible Study. Pretty clever, huh? Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And whoever believes in Jesus Christ, you and me and all believers everywhere, the light of Christ dwells inside of them. It gives them not only physical life, but spiritual life. Everlasting life. This light darkness theme plays out all through the Gospel of John. But we see it ever clearly on Monday, Thursday night as Jesus is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And Jesus says, put away, put your sword away. This is the hour of the power of darkness. It appears that darkness has won. It appears that darkness rules the world. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. The eternal Word through whom all things were created is arrested, mocked, beaten, crucified, dead, and buried. One might be tempted to think that darkness has won. But back to our overture. The light shines in the darkness, verse 5. And the darkness has not overcome it. My friends, the Word, Jesus Christ, lay in the cold, damp darkness of a new tomb. But death, Satan, our sins could not snuff out the light of the world. Jesus, the Word, who was dead, stone cold dead, is now alive. The darkness could not contain the light. Jesus lives. And whoever believes that his or her sins died with Jesus on that Friday we call good has the forgiveness of sins. The light of Christ living in them. 
everlasting life that overcomes all darkness, even the darkness of death. My friends, so what have we what have we gleaned from these first five verses? What have we gleaned from the opening part of our overture? Well, at the end of the Gospel of John, we read, Jesus has done many other things that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may have life and life in his name. The Gospel of John is about the identity of Jesus Christ. The eternal word, the logos, the good shepherd, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life. But my friends, it's much more, it is about much more than simply the identity of Jesus. It is about what he has done for you. He is your God. He is your God who took on flesh and blood. He is your Savior from sin. He is your life. He is your light. And my friends, tonight, on this first Wednesday in Advent, be assured, He is the King who comes to save you. A King who wears a crown of thorns. A king who suffers and dies. A king who lives and reigns for all eternity. A king who humbles himself and comes to you in bread and wine. My friends, the overture has just begun. But the good news is already yours. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our light, and our life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. We stand and sing the offertory.